0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the LATAM Venture Capital Podcast. My name is Fernanda Sesto. I was born and raised in Uruguay, but I'm currently a senior at the University of Rochester in New York. I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship, technology, and building things. And I've been involved with the venture capital space since my freshman year of college. I decided to create the podcast because I want to bring visibility to Latin America as an emerging market and help investors and just people who are interested in investing in the region to understand more about the ecosystem there. I will be interviewing investors and entrepreneurs, talking about their career, their experiences, trends, and everything related to ventures. In this first episode, I talked with Marcial Gonzalez-Fraga from Latitude, which is an early stage VC fund investing across Latin America and helping top emerging founders to build successful companies. Marcial is an investor at Latitude who previously worked at Mercado Libre and has been involved in the Latin American venture ecosystem for a few years now as a startup advisor as well. I hope you enjoy it. Hi Marcial, how are you? I hope you're having a great time in Buenos Aires right now.
1: I am. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. This is the first podcast that I'm recording, so I'm really excited to share it with everyone. Um, so, just a quick introduction for the people who are listening. Yeah, yourself. of
1: course, of course. So, my name is Martial. I'm Argentinian, 27 years old, and I currently I'm an investor within Latitude. Latitude is a company that's trying to elevate the whole ecosystem, startup ecosystem in Latin America. And we're doing it through three pillars. The first pillar is a community, a community like no other that exists in Latin America, where we bring founders to an equity-free fellowship where we teach them everything they need to know in order to navigate early state, being a founder in early state Latin America. Then we complement them with the second pillar, which is products and services that they need as founders, incorporating, opening a bank account, managing the cap table are all problems that founders face in Latin America that they need to solve, and we can solve them for them. So we're trying to do that. And point number three, we have a venture capital side of things where we invest in top teams coming out of a fellowship, as well as teams from, from our network and outside of the fellowship in pre-seed and seed rounds with small checks. And we try to add as much value as we can in terms of fundraising, hiring, or if we can with strategy and helping with distribution through our own fellowship. But before I joined Latitude, I wore many hats. I was a founder and I failed to raise a pre-seed round and fought with my co-founders. And now, we're, now everything is, is, is great, but it's, it, it was an amazing experience. I was also an investor at a global, st- global level, investing in fintech products, primarily focused on banking. And before that, I took a sabbatical when I was 24 years old. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I had no idea in what. So I decided just to take six months off and interview founders from across Latin America. And that's how I fell in love with with the whole ecosystem. I saw people willing to help, willing to be helped, putting their whole lives behind their dreams. And I wanted to be associated with that. And I thought that after my first three years working at Mercado Libre, it was time for me to head into that challenge. So I went anti-chronological. Chronologically, it would be Mercado Libre, Sabbatical, FinTech Investor, Founder, and now Investor again within Latitude.
0: Wow, that's incredible background. I'm really impressed. You're also very young to have that um, amount of experiences. So that's awesome, I I love to hear that. Also very curious, you just mentioned that you interviewed founders, Um, How how, How was that? Was that for a project or for something else?
1: Basically, after three years working 12 hours a day at Mercado Libre, which was amazing, I thought to myself, how can I understand what my place in the startup ecosystem is if the only thing that I live and breathe is what I'm solving at Mercado Libre? So what if I spent six months just trying to add value to the ecosystem? and i did that by starting to interview founders understanding what their problems were and if there was some sort of chemistry i would offer to them a couple of weeks of my time where i would maybe help them craft a pitch deck or maybe i help them with a distribution strategy or hiring a key employee maybe from my network and that way i started to identify and get in touch with different industries. I worked in PropTech. I worked with us in the creator industry with a US founder. I worked in to digitalize an SMB from Argentina. I worked in very different products, projects, and that was fascinating. And that's where I fell in love with the concept of working with entrepreneurs and helping entrepreneurs to succeed. So that was really, really what started to drive me forward and at the same time i started to build my own personal brand on linkedin which is something that i'm glad i started two and a half years ago even though i it was scary and i had no idea where it was going to lead but i knew that if i started and i was consistent at it at some point it was going to come in handy and so it became handy when i was trying to meet with new entrepreneurs it came in handy when I was doing my next step in, in, the, in my process where I met my co-founders. It came in handy when I met this fintech investor from the US, from yeah, from Europe and the US that led me to that position. And it came in handy when I wanted to connect with the Latitude team and see if there was a fit between us and them. So I encourage everybody if they're doubting on building their personal brand on LinkedIn. The best day to start was 10 years ago. The next best day to start is today.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, personal branding, I, I've i been trying to build. I mean, it's a lot of effort. So I really admire people who build their personal brands, either on Twitter or LinkedIn. It's a lot of, like, constant thinking. A lot of people ne- don't necessarily know that. I, I've i been trying. So I'm going to take your advice <laughs> for sure. Um, so, okay. So back a little bit. Um you've discovered this passion for, found- for founders and working with founders and entrepreneurship, but what exactly motivated you? Like what was the moment that you can recall that motivated you to get involved? If you have any.
1: The moment to get involved has to be a first attempt that I did at being a founder during my time at Mercado Libre, working on a side hustle and realizing that I had no clue where to start. And that every little problem that we were facing with my co-founders seemed like trying to climb the Everest and realizing, hey, is everybody really go like climbing an Everest every time they face every single one of these problems? I knew there had to be a better way, but I had no idea how to source that information or how to growth hack my way into being an entrepreneur, and that's where I got motivated that what best way than just to reach out and try to connect and try to learn from the people that are doing it and it was also a great thermometer to test whether or not i had i had what needed to whether or not i had what it takes or whether or not i have what it takes in order to be a founder myself
0: yeah i think definitely the experience of you know building your own company your own product just gives you a lot of perspective when being an investor that I think I've heard a lot from other people that you know having like you can't teach someone how to ride a bike without knowing how to ride a bike yourself so it's kind of the same thing with being an investor and and helping entrepreneurs if you didn't have that experience so I think definitely that's very important
1: you know it's curious that yes and no I do see some trends on how on my previous experience as a as a founder even though it's not such a valid experience maybe how that helps me be a um a venture capitalist but if you look at the data it actually suggests that investors that were not founders outperform investors that were founders so like even though i understand the logic of being a founder improves the chances of of being a successful investor because you know what they're up against, maybe you also learn or, or you also start to develop biases that prevent you from being the greatest investor. Maybe you think that the struggles that you faced, somebody else is gonna face and, and they're not gonna be able to overcome them. Maybe you fail to recognize that the ecosystem has changed and that the, now it's either easier or harder or different. And maybe that sort of, creates a a friction point or a tunnel vision that doesn't allow you to see the the great opportunities, which of course are incredibly difficult to spot. And this is a game where big winners explain the like 0.1% of startups explain 97% of the profits generated by the ecosystem. So how do we spot those 0.1% of startups? It's not that you can develop a radar or a machine learning algorithm that'll tell you which ones are good or which ones are bad, because we're trying to sort out the one percent from the, from the from the haystack, and that's incredibly difficult to do.
0: Mm-hmm. It was very interesting, but so if it's not you know technology that can help you make that decision, and I guess like yeah, it's very true that if you have founding experience, then you can become really biased, um, and that it's not good either, um, and And you can also like maybe empathize more with the founders that have similar stories to yours, which is not good if we're trying to achieve like, um, that, but like how, how can you develop that intuition? Then it's just like trying and failing and just keep trying until you succeed. Or what do you think So
1: you can develop? I mean, there are things that you, that are in your control and things that aren't in your control the things that are in your control that you can work on have to do with platform processes and systems in order to develop a portfolio strategy. Let me sort of go in depth into, into the different ones. So the first thing you have to do is understand how good are you at sourcing deals? Are deals coming your way? Do you need to to find them? Who would sort of, do you have a a website is that website well positioned do people know about you are people following you because you can be great at picking startups but if you don't see them then there's nothing to pick from so that positioning that is key that's where personal brands help that's where being active in the ecosystem helps going to events speaking to founders helping out reaching out connecting partnering stuff like that is is really really useful so that you make sure that the best startups know who you are Mm -hmm. and apply for your funding and the second aspect is speaking so imagine that great you have like a thousand startups coming in front of you asking for capital how are you going to be the one that separates and decides who gets that money well there i would say that Former founders have an edge over people that are that have do not have that experience because they know better what it takes. But then again, the good thing about uh, picking or the good thing about venture capital is that if your sourcing is correct and it's uh, extensive enough, you start to develop pattern recognition where you start to see some of the attributes that some founders have. And then when you talk to a new founder, they either have it better, they have it the same, or they have it worse than the previous founder that you spoke to. And you start to develop your own radar of what you want to see and what you believe are great traits to see in founders. And and then you look at their experience and you start to sort of connect the dots in what you believe are positive traits. But that doesn't sort of finish the story because now we talked about sourcing and picking. And then once you know who you want to pick, you need to be able to win that deal or to access that deal because it's not like a common stock where you go and if you want to buy a stock of Apple, you just buy a stock of Apple. There, nobody has to give you permission to do that. In venture capital, in early stage and, and even more in growth stage, the founder needs to accept you into the cap table. They need to accept your investment. And for that, you need to be able to prove that you're not ju- just going to be money sitting there. And here comes the term smart money where you need to be able to add value. And this is one of the, especially the most, the trickiest part of venture capital that that I'm more obs- obsessed about because the best founders, the top tier teams, they're going to be really exquisite on who they led into their rounds. So, if, you, wanna, if you, you remember that 0.1% of startups explain 97% of the profits, then the question becomes, what are your chances considering that you see and you pick one of these amazing startups that they're gonna let you in? So your value proposition as a venture capital firm has to be really strong, really well-defined, and you need to stand by it. So th- these are some of the critical aspects and systems that you can set in place so that you can continuously be good at sourcing, be good at picking and provide the value that you say that you're going to provide. And here's how venture capital firms start to differentiate between each other in order to position themselves in the market. Some are great at hiring tech talent. Some are great at networking with regulators. Some are great at networking with other funds that can invest. And so the different VCs start to position themselves with their value proposition. And then the founders get to select who they want as
0: partners. (laughs) That's a perfect summary, I'd say. Like that's the best one I've heard so far Um, of how, yeah, like necessarily like the whole role of an investor is like, because you need to access with your brand. Like when you develop a better brand, you have more reach, and then you can access those. Like you get deal flow, and you have access to those deals. But you also can provide value to the startups that you end up choosing if you have access to. Um, and I've heard that advice and that um, you know that insight from a lot of investors. But I think you put it in a very good way. So that's great for the people who are not really that familiar with the with the venture ecosystem in general. Um, so that was great. So going back to like about yourself um you worked on Mercado Libre um which is the was the first Latin American company to go public in Nasdaq um how was that how was your experience what are some of the key learnings that you took from there i'm curious to to hear about that mm-hmm.
1: So i joined Mercado Libre at the end of 2016 as employee number 3000 so it was no longer a startup at that point and when I left, we were 30,000 or so employees. So I got to see part of that exponential growth in, in Mercado Libre, And to be honest, like I couldn't be happier that, that I had that chance to witness firsthand how, how a company goes from regional to world class. In my time at Mercado Libre, I had two different hats or two different roles. The first one I was doing strategy in customer experience And I got to sort of work hand in hand, mostly with consultants or former consultants that taught me how to work. And this was fascinating, like the strategies and the systems that they have in order to deliver day in and day out amazing work is incredible. And then I had an entrepreneurial opportunity within Mercado Libre to be one of the first employees at Mercado Credito, which is the fintech lending solution of Mercado Libre, where I got to develop most of the solution from scratch and see it grow, which was amazing because within a company that has all of the resources to be in an entrepreneurial ro- role within the company really was an opportunity that, that I'm so glad that I, that I got to, to see and, and, and do. Working with a team that, that really put in 100% of their effort to, to get it done. And, and it showed me something on why Mercado Libre is such an amazing company because you have to remember that Mercado Libre arises before there was an ecosystem.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. there
1: wasn't a, a, a tech ecosystem or a startup ecosystem. They, they basically had to build by finding their own way and, and building from scratch. And the fact that, that they did it, it shows in, in two key principles that, that or virtues that, that you have at, at Mercado Libre, which is number one, to execute with excellence. And number two, to always be in a continuous beta mode, which is you're never in your final form. You're always iterating and changing. And this was a mindset that maybe now it's very common in the startup ecosystem. But 10 years ago, it went against everything that everybody knew about working in a corporate where you had to, to deliver the, a, a good product from the get-go, even though it maybe would take you a year working in stealth in order to get it done. And Mercado Libre uh, just worked faster than everybody else. And there's a saying that Brian Rickworth, the CEO of At likes to say that you can beat a grandmaster at chess if you get to move two times when they move just one. <laughs> and the same thing happens with Mercado Libre. They, they showed how being agile and, and implementing at a fast speed was gonna be their competitive advantage in an ecosystem that was not developed, but the incumbents were slow.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, Mercado Libre was, like, set a, just a before and after, kind of, like, before Mercado Libre and after Mercado Libre. Um, I think it was, uh, it really just created, I mean, it showed that Latin America as a, as a region has potential and the companies can just reach to the point that they can go public on a, um, on NASDAQ or, and I think also I, I was reading that you know when we have cases like this, like Mercado Libre, or you know in Uruguay now it's like D-Local, um New Bank in Brazil, there the, these people who have so much experience in building s- successful startups, then they can go and start their own funds, and that also kind of goes like um, gives back to the to the venture ecosystem and it helps other startups to go right. What do you think yeah. about
1: that? not only that, not only that some of the founders start their own funds, that that's something that happened in Mercado Libre as two of the co-founders then went and founded Catech, but also something that you start to see is that the early employees at these companies that scale then become the perfect founders for the next generation. So what we're seeing now is, for instance, a generation of early RAPI employees building new companies so they get the know-how of having built a company within rapi and now they take it into new businesses and that iteration process of early employees becoming founders and some becoming investors and some becoming mentors or angels or something that's how the ecosystem develops it's through the iterations of companies developing showing the way and then recycling the talent into new businesses. But then part of the challenge and something that Latitude is trying to do is to provide a platform so that they are incentivized to tackle the biggest problems in Latin America, which is something that I'm extremely passionate about and and happy to be a part of that journey. Yeah, that's,
0: that's so true. I mean, that's how, you know... Ecosystems start growing everywhere, you know, you saw it like, oh, we, it's also in like, um, Southeast Asia a few years ago, and now it's happening in LATAM, maybe tomorrow it will happen in Africa, I think, which is another emerging, um, market. So now you just mentioned that the problems that you're passionate about in Latin America. I am also super passionate about solving, I think, entrepreneurship in LATAM, it's really interesting because it comes a lot from like the need or necessity, not just, for, you know, I mean, there there is like, of course, like business models and, you know, there is a need for making profit, but there's also, I think a lot of Latin American startups have that, you know, um, mindset of making an impact, which I personally really like. So what do you think about some trends um, that you're excited about in Latin America? What do you have seen in the region with Latitude?
1: Same. so. My favorite trend right now in the startup ecosystem of Latin America is that the top talent of the region is flocking towards being an entrepreneur. 10 years ago, five years ago, a senior talent, an expert or or something, maybe they were spending time in McKinsey or they were working at a big bank or something like that. And my perspective is that for those people now, there's an incentive to be an entrepreneur and that trend alone is something that motivates me a lot because that's going to see the development of all of the different industries and trends that we're seeing. So on top of that, like we're seeing amazing trends in this next generation of fintech companies that maybe, I mean the, the usual suspects with new bank or voila. Creditas, like developing in the region. Now we're seeing a very strong trend with B2B startups and B2B marketplaces, for instance, that are starting to see adoption and mass adoption from their clients with SMEs already adopting technology and thinking in a technology first way. And I believe that the impact that we're going to have on SMEs across Latin America through tech is huge. And I'm curious to see how that develops, and that will develop across industries. It'll come. It'll happen in healthcare. It will happen in property tech. It will happen in education. It will happen in fintech, of course. And yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that happening.
0: Yeah, I mean that's very exciting as well. You know, because especially I think for a lot of foreign investors, the lack of um, educator, ed- educated or you know, prepared talent in in Latin America. Um was it a big concern, and now i I think you know a lot of of this talent is just putting themselves in the startup ecosystem or mm. just working for startups, which I think is you know they don't have to start their own companies, but just working for a startup gives you a lot of valuable experience and it also helps the ecosystem to keep growing um, mm. I think that's interesting and Do you have any hot takes about the venture ecosystem in Latin?
1: Even though we're facing a bear market right now with a lot of money getting pulled out of emerging markets and funds maybe stepping back, there's something that they cannot take away from Latin America in the sense that we already know it's possible. We already like There's no doubt that Latin America is a region we can develop, we can build startups, we can, we have some talent, we have ideas, we have innovation, we have ways to tropicalize big winners from the U.S. and and bring them here. So. I think that's uh, my hot take is that even in bear markets, the trend of entrepreneurs facing and and like looking to dance to the music and solve the problems in the region is going to be a stronger trend and we're going to continue to see great founders emerging in the next 12 months during this bear market this bear crisis and we will be there to to help them out in their journey it's not going to be easy it's not going to be as easy as a year ago or two years ago but some will stand to the test and and get it done Mm
0: -hmm. That's great. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I'm. I'm really, really passionate about helping Latin American funders as well. I mean, I'm. I'm learning a lot, so that's why one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is just to keep learning from the people who are already there and working. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think there's so much much potential that there's still, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. But I think, yeah, there's like a, a sense of like we we have done it, there's so many unicorns right now that I was reading an article that there's like a, around like 44 unicorns right now, or depending on what criteria you use, but around 44, like across the region. A lot of fun yeah, with Brazil. Now, now
1: 40, it, it's now 46 because two unicorns arise after that, that report was published a month ago,
0: yeah. Oh, that, well, that's even great, <laughs> greater. Um, So I know we have like a few minutes left, so, um. This podcast, my idea is to target towards, you know, young investors or people who are in college um, who are interested in, in investing in America. So do you have any piece of advice that you would give us?
1: Sure. There's usually a talk around how to break into venture capital because it's not easy. It's not easy and there are not so many opportunities to get into venture capital. and. I would encourage people to stand out and standing out can be done in very different ways. You, Fernanda, you're standing out right now by creating a podcast, talking to people, creating your network. That is really important because venture capital, that the network in venture capital is really important. My way to do that was also by creating my personal brand and start by offering help to entrepreneurs. Because at the end of the day, we are here because we're passionate about helping entrepreneurs. The capital side of things, that's the excuse. If you're passionate about finances and you believe that venture capital has the best returns, that motivation is not the best in order to crack into venture capital. If that is the case, or other ways for for people interested in getting into venture capital would be, for instance, to develop a sector thesis. Maybe you wanna create a presentation on why you believe Latin America or why you believe FinTechs in Miami have a great opportunity and and funds should invest there and and you develop that thesis. And then you try to knock on doors and, and present that thesis and you will get noticed. And it's a small ecosystem. So word gets around and you have to be persistent, but primarily you have to be unique. It's not about seeing um, a job search on LinkedIn and clicking easy apply and wait for somebody to call you up. It's more about hustling, showing that you're different, being there, being active, being seen, staying top of mind, similar traits to what an entrepreneur has to develop because those same traits that you will exemplify for your own person is what then you're expected to identify in somebody else. So that would be my my advice for people wanting to crack into venture capital.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. I mean, um, thank you a lot for that. I think definitely in VC, it's like not a traditional um, role and like not a traditional job that you just go and apply. You have to do a lot of networking, a lot of personal branding. That um, I'm still learning a lot um (laughs) I mean I I've had two internships so far but it's still like a lot of you know just go and talk and put your thoughts out there I agree with that um and yeah I mean I I it's it's like it's a very short podcast but I I definitely you know enjoyed just talking with people um like you Marcia who are just doing great things in um in Latin America and investments do you have any last thoughts any comments I don't know
1: no, just to thank you and, and appreciate everybody that listened. And remember that they can reach out to me, of course, if, if I can help them out in any way. And for founders listening to this podcast, don't hesitate to apply either to Latitude or to Accelerators or to reach out to mentors. People are willing to help. So you just have to, to reach out and, and people will lend a helping hand, especially in this ecosystem. So don't hesitate to do that. And Fernanda, what you're doing is amazing. So congratulations. Keep at it. Don't stop. Hustle. Keep going. Be perseverant. Even if you miss a week or something, keep at it.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm just very passionate. So, I mean, definitely when you said like, oh, if you're just into finances, maybe this is not the best career for you. I personally, I mean, Financial analysis, definitely, I mean, I have to do it, but it's not my strength. I love just, you know, entrepreneurship. Like, that's why it really, like, drove me to this industry. So, I really resonated with that when you said that. I'm glad. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I hope that you learned something interesting about Venture today. I had a great time interviewing Marcial and talking to him. So I'm very excited for the following ones. Stay tuned and subscribe if you're interested.